Welcome to the Be Loud About What Matters podcast. I'm Olivia, your host. On this podcast, I will be bringing light to topics that are important but not discussed enough within our society. Episodes will include a range of topics, starting with the journey to conceive, pregnancy, birth, postpartum and motherhood, holistic healing and nutrition, and the importance of true informed consent and medical freedom. The goal of this podcast is to create connections, share stories, information, and resources to educate and empower people in their own personal journey. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Be Loud About What Matters podcast. Tonight, I have a very special guest on with me, um, my dear friend, Dasha. She and I connected two years ago. We were just figuring out the first time we like actually met in person. And she is just one of the most incredible, inspirational, loving, caring, thoughtful women that I've been so lucky to connect with. And she is an incredible mama to her two boys. And I have learned so much from her. So Dasha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I feel the same about you too, also. So I love you so much. Um, so would you mind sharing a little bit about you, like who you are, what you do, what sets your soul on fire? So I am a mom, um, and I do hair by day and like research everything by night. Um, and I just am passionate about nutrition and wellness and living well and inspiring and cooking and just... I don't know, pretty much everything I can get my hands into, I'm into it. Like, we don't need to fit into a niche here. We yes. want all the things. I love that so much. Uh, yeah, like, I just want to learn as much as I can all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been really cool to just be able to, like, learn something new every day, you know? Yeah. I think it's – I don't – I have a hard time not wanting to learn new things. Like I feel like just like that lifelong learner mindset is just, it's constantly there. So like you were saying, I think we had talked about that previously, just messaging back and forth. It's hard to like niche down and they talk about that. Like you have to find your niche, whether it's your business or your Instagram account or whatever it is. And it just feels like, why do you want to put yourself into a box Yep. And no. stay there. And I think I think especially like being an artist and like a creator, like you cannot cage me. <laughs> can't tame me. You just can't. Like I don't know. I just feel like everything I know I want to share and that doesn't fit into a box. So I'm just, you know, just like with you as well, you know, I'm just going against the grain. Yeah. That's what we're here to do. And that's okay. It's okay to go against the grain. I think it's important too. Because I also think that if you're not actually following what your interests are or like talking about them or sharing them in any way, then you're not really being who you are. And it's also a disservice to other people because if you're learning something that you didn't know and you wish you knew, and then you aren't sharing that with other people who would benefit from that, then it's like, why? Why would you do that? Well, and why should you have to, like, hide certain parts of your life because it's not your niche? Yes, exactly. Like, think about what Instagram was, like, before it was reels and stories and all that. Like, you literally shared all these pictures of a bunch of different things that probably none of them had anything to do with each other, except maybe if you shared your children. Right. Or shared food every day or whatever. But, like, 
you shared everything. You shared family, you shared trips, you shared food, like, you know, whatever. And as it's evolved, we've been told, like, okay, you need to do it this way. Yeah. But when you listen to, like, podcasts of people that are, like, self-made millionaires or fully thriving in their lives, like, they broke the rules. They yeah. They went against the grain. Constantly. So, I so, always think about that. Yeah. And I think that it's also important to show our kids that they can do that, too, and that's okay. Yep. Absolutely. It's very, very important for them to see You that. don't have to do what everyone else is doing. It's like the saying, like, oh, if Johnny jumps off the bridge, are you going to do that too? Like, no. No, we're not. Yeah. So. <laughs> so Dasha and I started talking about a few things. So, I mean, we're always talking about things, but specifically when it has to do with taking care of ourselves and taking care of our children and holistic health and holistic healing and our bodies and how they actually function and how there's just a big misconception by our society because of the systems that we have been introduced to. And so we kind of just wanted to open up a conversation about our bodies and what's important when it comes to taking care of ourselves And Dasha has a son who went through cancer. And so they had their cancer journey together and Dasha learned and unlearned. And since September is pediatric care, excuse me, pediatric cancer awareness month, we wanted to talk about that because we think it's important to have these discussions, open up these conversations, advocate for our kids and just raise awareness for how we can best help our kids. So, Absolutely. I don't know where you want to start or what you want to share, but whatever you feel comfortable sharing, I think would be really wonderful for people to hear because there are a lot of people who have not been through it or don't know someone who went through it. And there's a lot of things that people don't know when they're on the outside. Right. Um, I think I think the biggest misconception is that like cancer is genetic mm-hmm. and that you know we have the best cancer care in the world and while that is true for a lot of people who have beat cancer like it doesn't mean it's the best treatment it doesn't mean it's the best thing for our bodies it doesn't mean that we're doing everything we can you yes. remotely try to tell an oncologist that you want to focus on your nutrition They're going to be like, yeah, no, I wasn't trained to do that. I don't do that. They're solely trained to look at cancer and deal with cancer in whatever way that means, regardless of your other body systems and other healing. And so, you know, is that really the best cancer care? Like, no, because we're not even taking into consideration the rest of the body aside from the cancer, you know, Mm -hmm. and then the fact that you need to live after the cancer, like in a a body that that needs a lot of support and so you know especially with children you know when they go through it and they get into remission I mean there's a 40% chance that they're going to get a secondary cancer from the original treatment that they got that's not even considering all the other environmental factors how they're eating at home there is like zero education on how to even support your child after remission. And I'll probably go back to that, but it's like, it's a disservice, you know, huge. And even, even at a regular pediatrician appointment, just like a regular doctor in general, like 
they don't really dive into like anything about your nutrition. It's like, oh, are you drinking milk? Are you eating fruits and vegetables? Or how many servings are you eating? But nothing about like, you know, hey, are you eating good quality fats? Like, you know, are you work like getting exercise every day? Are you getting sun? Like there's, there's just such a lack of like communication and understanding. It's like a 15 minute appointment. Let's get you in and get you out and let's get it out, write the notes so we can get it to insurance. And it's, it's really sad, you know, because it's like, and then we wonder why like the, you know, the children who are living in poverty, like why there's so many people on the streets, like why diabetes is a thing, why obesity is a thing, why cancer is on the rise. Like, you know, so many of these things I feel like could be prevented, but you know, there's lack of education. Yeah. And when it comes to like research studies, there's no actual holistic research studies because all the research is funded by Big Pharma. Yep. So it's like, it's such a catch-22, like, it's it's just, it's mind-blowing. But I, I wish people, I wish people had an understanding and, you know, I wish, I wish people would kind of like listen to their gut initially and be like, oh, like, you know, this isn't working. Maybe I should look into this or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm noticing this in my child. My doctor said to do this and it's not working. Yeah. Or I feel like there's something wrong, you know, whether it's a health issue, an emotional issue, whatever. And it's just like we we've gotten so far away to like from like listening to what our needs are and what our kids needs are, you know, listening to your intuition, to your to your maternal intuition. Right. Because someone shared a reel and it was just talking about like how when your child was sick, that we didn't used to run to the doctor like if they had a fever or anything like that and they like snuggled on the couch yeah snuggled on the couch made sure they weren't wearing a lot of clothes made sure they were hydrated made them chicken noodle soup or you would ask your mom or your friends or your neighbors and now it's just immediately oh my gosh my child has a fever let's run to the er yeah i'm not saying like dangerously high fever but if it's just a fever we, there's this just ridiculous fear that's been placed on our society that either there's something really wrong or you just have to immediately medicate your child for having a fever instead of letting their body do what it's supposed to do. Fevers are not a bad thing. Right. And so. But, but that's the thing, too, with like well visits, every single well visit, you're it's it's literally like these these rep, these things get rep like get put into our brains continuously at every single appointment. Like, oh, if they get a fever, just give them Tylenol. Yes. Oh, if this happens, like, and make sure you get your flu shot and make sure you do this and make sure you do that. That like, it just becomes routine for so many until something happens that you finally are like, you start to question everything. Yeah. So it finally all makes sense. And I feel like that's how Torrance cancer was for me. Like I followed all the rules. Like I was still very like when I was pregnant, I was like super into nutrition. I like took good care of my body. I like made everything from scratch. I worked out like super healthy, but I like didn't really pay much attention to our environment. I was using like toxic cleaning products at the time because I was so hyper-focused on like what was going in my body and on my body. Right. 
But then, like, with cancer, it's like, you know, followed all the rules, did all the things, and then, like, your child gets diagnosed with cancer, and it's like... What? How? Why? Where? Like, you're looking for a reason, you know? And I think... I think with Torrens, it could have been a number of reasons. Like, I don't know that I'll ever fully have an answer. Um, you know, I do know from the doctor that it, it was 100% environmental, um, like so many other cancers um, and even birth defects and stuff like that. And I do think, you know, even with that, there's just so much that's not talked about. Like, when does your ever doctor ever ask you, like, what kind of what kinds of products are you using in your home? Like, kids who have eczema. They're never asking you, like, hey, are you using, like, a product that's literally toxic on their bodies, mm-hmm. you know? Or the fact that, like, they're getting a schedule of shots that's full of aluminum and other adjuvants and polysorbate 80 and timerosol or who knows what else. Like, it's, like, wild that nobody puts that connection together. And doctors I, – I the sad thing is I don't even feel like doctors actually know. No. They're not even trained on that. No, I was actually literally having that conversation the other day is that within these systems, they're not really taught to critically think. They're just taught, this is what it is. You need to memorize this. You need to repeat this. You need to have the schedule and you need to teach other doctors. You need to teach other nurses. There's no questioning anything. And it actually makes me think of even when I had a, a midwife on the podcast and she went to nursing school so she could become a certified nurse midwife. And she was just saying that literally they set up questions on these quizzes and tests and that you have to take that are like meant to mess you up. Like it, it, it's like, it's like hazing. She said, she called it paid for hazing because they yeah. didn't want you to ask questions because she was sitting there asking questions and they were essentially telling her that she was being difficult. And if she didn't ask, answer the questions the way that, they wanted her to, then she wouldn't be in the program anymore. Which is like literal manipulation. Yeah. And so. And then inadvertently, like, let's gaslight the patient also. Right. right. And so that's why it's like when you go to your doctor and you have questions and they make you out to be crazy, they were never allowed to question anything in med school. That makes sense. Yeah. Which, I mean, when you really sit back and think about that, it makes sense, but it's really messed up. And then how do they go home at night and not feel terrible? Like I've talked to nurses who have literally seen like shingles outbreaks after like certain shots surrounding the childhood schedule. And like nobody talks about the correlation or the fact that there's a shedding factor. Like shedding, I feel like became this big thing during COVID. Yeah. But like it's been around like it's been a known thing for a long time, but yep. like so many people were not aware that 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 existed, that that existed. And it's like, like I had no idea that it, that existed. I'm just like a normal human being. Like I do hair, like I don't know anything medical, but it's like you get thrown in this rabbit hole to like look into everything. And then your mind is blown and you don't even look at the world the same. No. We were just saying that before we came on the podcast. It's a lot of the things that you and I are talking about in this episode. If people aren't kind of already in the same mindset as us, there's just no discussion of these things. Like people just walking around, living a normal life, not being aware of environmental toxins, not being aware of what our bodies actually need to thrive, not being aware of 
how stress impacts our body and our immune systems and how they actually work and what they need to work properly. Mm-hmm. I've spent these last however many years of my life unlearning everything I learned as a child, as a teenager, and even as an adult. And it's mind-blowing to me that these conversations are just not had. Or when they are, or when these topics are brought up, people look at you like you're absolutely batshit crazy. Yeah. And then, but the thing is, is once you start diving down and doing that research and asking these questions and trying to find answers, you find one thing after another, after another, after another, and there's no denying it. Mm-hmm. There's no denying any of it. And then you're like, wow, this makes so much sense. But why isn't anybody talking about it? And that's inadvertently, I feel like, how you find your people, though. It like, is. That's how I found you guys. <laughs> yeah, because, like, I just feel like it becomes – you become so passionate. I mean, I read a book and I want to tell someone about it because yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, that was amazing. Like, that's just the person that I am. Yeah. So it's like whenever I learn something, like, I've texted you how many times. Like, <laughs> Did you know this? Like, here's this study. (laughs) I literally want to like shout it from the rooftops. And like, it's not even like a question in my mind if someone's going to think I'm crazy. Because at the end of the day, like, I know that I'm going to touch somebody with that information and they are going to receive it in a way that feels good for them. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not trying to trigger anybody. I'm not trying to like hurt anybody's feelings or, you know, be this crazy conspiracy theorist. Like, I just want to like prompt people to like dig in a little bit. Yeah, to dive just, like, deep. Just like look into it and just like see how you feel about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and I mean we we could even touch on this. This is not like the main point of what we were talking about on the podcast tonight, but you and I were talking about um like what we thought was healthy in terms of eating. And so, like, I had gone plant-based while I was nursing my daughter, and now looking back, I just destroyed myself fully destroyed myself depleted myself and I was like this is what's healthy this is what everyone's telling me is healthy and now I'm over here eating butter eggs bacon liver liver and milk yes exactly back to the old days yeah yeah and this was like this happened within the last year and a half so it's like there's always an opportunity to take new information and learn from it and be like wow I was wrong yeah Which I think is the hard part for people. Right. But the thing is, there isn't actually a right or wrong. That's valid. First of all, I think vegan is horrible. I mean, I was vegetarian. I still ate eggs. But, like, I think vegan is horrible for you. Like, I don't feel like that's a sustainable way to live, personally. Especially raw vegans. Like, how? But also, like, within the cancer community, I mean, there is so much conflicting information. There is, like, the keto diet, which is, like, pretty much, like, starve your body of the sugar so that, like, you know, the cancer, like, stops feeding off of it. But then there's, like, the plant-based, completely plant-based and, like, nourish your body in all the ways. No meat, no nothing. And it's, like, I just think everybody's body is so different. Like, crispy cancer, for instance, like – right literally like cured himself with a plant-based diet like he doesn't speak on like meat is horrible this is this this like this is just what works for him and this is what he teaches on yeah but like every body is going to be so different everything is so it our society in the way that um anything with medicine or like healing is approached is like it's just one size fits all and that's not reality there's no 
there are no two people on this planet whose bodies are the same. It's just not possible. There, it needs to be individualized care. So like, well, there isn't a black and white too. No. And I feel like for me, that's always hard because I'm like, my personality is like, I want there to be a definite, like it's a yes or a no, it's a black or a white. But the truth of the matter isn't, there is a gray area. Like right. there is a, like it's, it could be this or it could be that, or there is like a medium point. And like, I feel like right now our world is like so divided like that on many levels. It's like, yeah, you're a, a this or you're an anti that, or you're red, you're blue, you're black, you're white. Like it doesn't have to be like that. And if no. everybody just like listened for a second, we would find that really happy medium of like hearing each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's the important thing too, is that like you've said, I agree. There is no right and there is no wrong. It's just like what you think is right versus wrong, you know? And I, but I think in society right now, people are like, I am right. And if you don't agree with me, then you're done. Yeah. You're canceled. You're canceled. And so yeah. like, even when it comes to like the vegan discussion, like, there's so much back and forth about that and like you can't be friends if you eat meat or if you if if the other one eats plant-based diet and it's just like no like we can we can all live differently and just figure out how to get along it doesn't have to be so drastic or so extreme and i think that's one thing that i struggle with is like the level of extreme that people take it to because it's okay to be living your life a different way than someone else's because it's your life and that's what matters. But I also think that like the things that we're talking about just need to be basic conversations that aren't deemed controversial for having. Asking your own, asking questions, doing your own research, educating yourself and being aware of these things as a, just a human being and a parent is so important because we are our children's protectors. We are their advocates and they have to see that it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to do things differently. There's not just one way to do things. And so I just think that opening up conversations like this, I just have a lot of hope that people take it as an opportunity to learn rather than something that is going to make them feel upset because that's not the intention in any way. Well, and children also need to see that you can have a healthy disagreement. Yes, absolutely. That a, a disagreement doesn't have to mean that you're, you know, yelling or fighting or whatever or getting upset. Like you can just literally listen to somebody and just be like, you know, that's I, I respect you and where you're coming from, but I don't see things that way. Right. That's only going to be helpful for them moving forward so that they can also have those conversations. Yeah. So all the people that are you know, really triggered or lashing out, like that's a them problem, mm-hmm. you know? And that's like what I really tried to like put out to to my kids is that when they're seeing some of the stuff, like, I mean, we they've been at rallies with us, like for right. like medical freedom stuff. I mean, you've been there and, you know, just explaining to them that like people are leading with emotion, yeah, not with actual facts half the time it's more emotion and and it's a problem that they need to deal with that's not an us problem right everybody has their own things they need to deal with right yeah you're right i mean we live in a very emotional emotion-led society instead of actually taking a step back and 
I mean, we're talking about healing. There's layers of internal healing that you need to do if you are immediately feeling triggered by somebody who's doing something different than you. Yep. That's on you. That's not on them. You're and, feeling- and that's never been taught to us, though, I feel like. No. Either. I'm 34 years old, and I'm like, wow, I need to, like, work on my things. Like, yeah. There's like, never, I feel like, in all the years that we went to school, ever, like, I mean, even my kid's therapist, like, I never hear anything like that. And it's just crazy. Like, you go your whole life, and it's like you just keep shoving everything down, but eventually it's going to come out. Right. And going off of that for a second, you know, the interesting thing is with cancer – you know, yeah, cancer is this horrible thing and it sucks and it kills hundreds of thousands of people every year. But also like cancer is our body's way of like pulling all the toxins literally into a tumor. That's what a tumor is. And our body is doing exactly what it's supposed to do when it forms that tumor. And the problem is like our chemical overload, like our buckets are just being overfilled that like, it's no wonder the cancer spreads all over bodies or it's in our blood or wherever. Like we are so, such a society of chemical burden, mm. you know, like nobody ever, when I, when I really realized that that's exactly what it was, it was like, wow, like our bodies are amazing. Yeah. That they do that. Like that they literally pull all the, the bad cells and all the stuff, like like, sure, like, one cell went rogue, but, like, our body's like, okay, I'm going to collect them all and put them in a tumor. And hopefully, like, you know, try and, like, alert the body that there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, we're obviously doing something wrong. So it's just, like, crazy when you look at actually, like, how amazing our bodies are, even though, like I said, like, cancer is a horrible thing. Yeah. Doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing. I know. But even in you saying that, like, I remember when, I don't remember what it was that I watched. It might have been, like, the truth about cancer. It was some, it was a documentary that I watched. But they were talking about that, like, what cancer actually is and how it's showing up in the body and how it is your body saying, hey, this needs to be healed. We need to figure out what's going on. And not just immediately being like, okay, this is cancer. Let's just cut it out of you and the problem's going to be gone. Mm -hmm. And I have friends who have gone through cancer, who've gone through chemo, who've gone through whatever treatment that they decided to go about. And there was just no discussion with their doctors on any level about nutrition, about stress levels, about chemicals, about anything Uh It was just like, okay, what is this? We have to immediately just treat this one area of the body. We're not going to look at the entire body. We're not going to look at how if we decide to take a biopsy or cut this out of you, how that's going to impact any other part of your body. Will it show up again in your body? And so that's where the discussion needs to be is like we have to be talking about things that can prevent cancer. And I remember and I still feel this way and I haven't personally dealt with cancer, but I over the years, when I see them being like, we have to raise this money for, for cancer medicine research, cancer medicine research, cancer medicine research, I'm like, why is no one doing research on how to prevent it? Why is that not discussed? We're even talking about it. Nobody talks about preventative No, measures. no one does. Yeah. And so for me, not being someone who has dealt with it as closely as, as you have, I've just been sitting here for years wondering why people aren't 
screaming in the streets about that. Yep. Yeah. It is. It's incredible to me. Like, and then I'm like, okay, well, where is all that money going? Just to, yeah, exactly. And so it's just, it's frustrating to me because it's like, like you said, there are so many people that die because of this and it's because of a lack of information, a lack of awareness and these opening up these conversations that are deemed controversial, but shouldn't be. Yeah. And I just think about how many lives could be saved if things were approached differently. Absolutely. Um, I was listening to Carly Loves Kale today. I don't know if you follow her, but she like recently got diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And she was she's working with like a holistic doctor, like somebody who's integrative or whatever, and she had gone to an endocrinologist and they like literally had heard from one of her prior doctors that she was like like plant-based and juiced and like did all that stuff. And she was like, oh, so I just want to know about like, you know, the, you know, the radiation pill or whatever it is they wanted her to do. And she was like, well, what do you want to know about it? And she's like, I already know like what you're about pretty much. And was like super rude to her. And basically like after the conversation was over and she was like, oh, it's like you just have to isolate for five days and then you can have your cheeseburger and fries. And she's like, oh, wait, like you're not into that. But it's just sad that that's, like, the first thing. And even, like, when Torn was in the hospital, it was always, like, let them eat calories. They can have whatever they want. Like, and the doctors themselves are eating cheeseburgers, McDonald's, you know, the orange soda, like, 32-ounce, like, sodas. Like, it's just, like, mind-blowing that they're informing you on how to live your life and, you know, be your healthiest self. And they're eating like crap or they're overweight or they like just do not look like the epitome of health at all either, you know? Yeah. And I mean, so one of my best friends growing up has, she has CF, cystic fibrosis. And I essentially grew up going to the hospital with her. We were friends from kindergarten since we were five years old. So I was always visiting her in the hospital And I remember just growing up, once I became, like, aware of the importance of nutrition and what we give our bodies, I remember looking at the menu of things that they offered for her in the hospital as a child and then as a teenager and as she grew. And it was astonishing to me. It was insane to me looking at what they offer because pretty much every single thing that's on there, I don't know, I and mean, it probably varies from hospital to hospital, and maybe now it's a little bit different now that there's more discussions about nutrition, but I don't really think it's changed very much. But like these big name brand like cereals and whatever it is, their whole menu is not nourishing to someone who is either dealing with any sickness, like any illness, recovering from surgery, um, postpartum moms, like their menus are garbage. Yep. They're garbage. And so that's also a huge frustration is when doctors just say, oh, nutrition doesn't play any role. Just like let them have whatever they want. Like I understand the difference between if someone literally like can't hold anything down and they just need something like crackers or toast or whatever, or they're just having a hard time keeping food down. That's different. But there are so many other options that are nourishing for your body that just aren't even presented as an option. 
Right, right. Like, I would literally be like, okay, I'm either making you food or I'm ordering you food from a place that's like actually has options that are good for you and that I know you'll eat because you actually like them. Well, and now that I'm thinking about it, I'm sure you saw that study that came out from Moms Across America with the glyphosate and all the lunches. Mm-hmm. How much, I wonder what it looks like in hospital food. It's probably atrocious. Like, seriously, it was what, 95% of the meals had glyphosate, had heavy metals, had hormones. Like, think about that. Think about somebody who has zero immune system. Like, these kids on the cancer floor had zero white blood cells, zero immune cells. Mm -hmm. And so while we're offering them pizza and chicken fingers and hot dogs and ice cream sundaes in the names of calories, like Mm -hmm. we're literally feeding them. Poison. Poison, exactly. You would have laughed. Like I had a, I brought my Vitamix from my home to the hospital room I was getting Whole Foods groceries delivered. I was mixing up smoothies in our room. I was making salads, and we had one of those, like, crappy little, like, mini fridges in our yeah. room. And my salad kept freezing. Frying <laughs> <with> <laughs> icicles. Yeah. Like, it was, like, I, I brought, like, chopping boards. Like, I was cutting up peppers. Like, it was the most bizarre thing. But, like, you just do what you have to do, you know? Yeah. And, I mean – That just goes to show how much, how aware and intentional and like conscious you were about it and are about it now. And I just, I don't know, the there's just such a lack of discussion, such a lack of awareness and education that it's just astounding to me. Like people aren't asking, how can we prevent cancer? What can we do to prevent cancer? Why do so many children have cancer? Why do so many people have cancer? It's just like, why don't people ask these questions? And then once once you are diagnosed or someone you know is diagnosed, why is it just immediately, okay, what medications can we put them on? Why mm-hmm. is it not, how can we support the body in healing itself? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think one of the other bigger pieces that's important to touch on is really listening to your body and being in tune with your body. And granted, that's very different for children. Like, we have to teach them how to be in tune with their bodies and, like, listen to their bodies. And, like, they'll see us doing that or just opening up conversations about if your body's not feeling well, where is your body not feeling well? Why is it not feeling that? Why do you think it's feeling that way? Did we eat something new? Were we around something that caused, like, triggered it in that way? And so I think a lot of the time when people get diagnosed with any disease, any form of cancer, they've probably been ignoring something going on in their body for a really long time. Yeah. Especially. And that's like typically what happens with kids is that the symptoms half the time are so common or mild that it gets missed. Like a lot of kids, it's especially for like blood cancer, leukemia, lymphoma, it's bruising, it's fatigue, it's you know, fevers occasionally here and there. Um, it's like night sweats, which like how many kids are sweaty at night? Right. You know, um, and you know, like what you were just saying, like I think back about Torin and like until like the day that it was like, you know, it was bad, like there wasn't anything leading up that like he ever came to me and was like, I'm really – I'm really tired or my body's feeling a type of way. And he was like very aware of his body. Yeah. And I, I think it's just, it's so hard. And I think, 
I think it really takes like a parent having to advocate if they feel something's wrong. But also we see our kids every day. Like I think about, you know, before Torrin's diagnosis, you know, I look back at pictures and I remember that he was really skinny and he had probably lost weight, but he was like, he was little, he was like five, you know, it's like, we see our kids every day. So, you know, losing a couple pounds or noticing that maybe like his chest was a little elevated. Like I, I think it's hard to catch those things because you see them every day. And so, you know, but there is symptoms, like there is situations where like if a child's complaining about leg pain, like, and they're going to the doctor and the doctor is like, you're fine, you're fine. Like, but what if they're not fine? Yeah. You know, and so. And that's where it starts. Yeah. Like you have to listen. You have to just be like, no, like I need you to look into this and God forbid you know, it is something serious, but I do feel like that's why so much like pediatric cancer gets missed is because parents are gaslit and children's symptoms are just brushed off, especially if they're like, for the most part, presenting okay, which yeah. they usually are right. until it's like bad. Right. You know? Yeah. I wasn't trying to insinuate that like people are ignoring things or that it's easy to pick up on because I know it's not. Um, so I hope it didn't come across that way. No, not at all. But I just think that there are so many things in our society that we're just exposed to every single day that we don't realize how that can burden our body, can overload our body, like you were saying. Totally, totally. And as adults, we're not as sensitive to it as kids are. Yep. And that's why it's so important to be mindful and to just have these conversations so people just know. I remember who I can't remember her name. It was a nurse who was talking about how she was using, I don't know if it was like Febreze. She was using some sort of detergent or house cleaning spray or something in her home. And her daughter was having like these recurrent asthma attacks just over and over and over again. And someone started talking to her about fragrance and the toxins found in your traditional cleaning supplies. And so she completely changed all of the products that she used in her home and her daughter was totally fine. Did not have any asthma attacks anymore. Didn't have anything, but that goes to show like you can be a nurse, you can be a doctor and you can be thinking that you're doing all of the right things and using products that are approved for killing germs or whatever, but they're really toxic to your body, especially to our, to our kids. Well, and there's studies out on indoor air quality and how especially women and children are affected, Mm -hmm. like especially. And that's like the other thing, too. If you get a child with asthma, is the doctor asking you like, oh, what is your home life? Like what what kind of products are you using? What are the allergens? Like, do you have a dog? Do you live in the city? Like, do you open your windows? Like Mm -hmm. these are just very basic questions. And I often like talk to my own clients. It's like right now we're in like six season, like kids have everything. And it's like not one person is talking about how to prepare your body on a daily basis for going into a season where sickness is going to be prevalent. Like that's just a natural part of fall and winter. Like there is going to be sickness. Right. So instead of just being like upset that your kid's getting sick, like do something about, about it. Like, Give them some vitamin C, 
give them nourishing food, let them move their body, open your windows, get a good night's sleep, mm-hmm. you know, reduce your sugar. We know around Halloween, every kid's going to eat an abundance of sugar. And then the next day, they're going to feel like crap. And then at the holidays, we're going to eat some more stuff that's probably not good for us. And we might drink alcohol and we're probably staying up too late watch wrapping presents. Like, it's like this vicious cycle. I know inevitably come January 1, my body is burnt out. So I'm preparing for it now. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. And the- I think that that's the thing is that people are like, oh, it's cold and flu season. And it's like, no, this is where people are just not taking care of their bodies. Exactly. That's what it is. And it's also cold outside. And people are not outside as much in the sunlight. Vitamin D levels are down. And it's just like, like you said, if you are paying attention to that and you are preparing your body and you're nourishing your body, it's, it's completely different. It can be completely different. And one thing I also really had to shift my mindset about was just that when we are sick, right, when we're I say that in air quotes. It's like our body is just dispelling toxins. Yep. Well, you and I were just talking about that too. Yeah. It's just our body saying there's something in here that doesn't need to be in here and I need to get it out. So whether that shows up in a form of like boogers, mucus, fever, whatever it is, stomach ache, throwing up, like your body is literally doing what it's supposed to be doing. And so I try and reframe it as, oh, well, I'm just not feeling well. So I must, there must just be something that my body needs to get out or I just need to rest. And especially us as moms taking care of our kids all the time, there's often times where that just goes to the back burner. And then, then we do become unwell (laughs) and our body's like, yeah, I was trying to tell you, you needed to listen to me, but you didn't listen to me. So here we are. And and I also feel like even with kids too, it's like, yeah. Like, I am so thankful that we homeschool because I, there's been so many moments where, like, I'm exhausted, the kids are exhausted, like, they need a break. And I just can't imagine being in that, that rat race or even, like, when he was going through treatment and, like, going to school. I mean, like, he would literally get chemo on Tuesday and be at school on Wednesday. Like, literally on the first day of school, like, threw up in front of the, the front building, wiped his mouth, and was like, I'm good. Like, and I was an emotional wreck. But, like, think about how many people are fighting cancer right now, going mm-hmm. through treatment, and just continuing on with their lives. Like, everything is fine and normal. Like, yeah. it's actually not. No. And your body needs way more rest than the average person. And, of course, you need to, like, make a living and you know, be a parent and all that. But also if we weren't in such this world of like, go, 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 like we would be able to take more time when our bodies need it and be more intuitive. Like you were saying of like, Hey, my body's not feeling good right now. I need a little more rest Mm -hmm. or I need to like slow down. And you and I know are are not good at that either. (laughs) Easier said than done. Exactly. But I do feel like I have been more like mindful of like paying attention to like, oh, I'm tired. Like, why am I tired? Mm. Or like, oh, like I feel a little bloated or this happened or the kids are exhausted. Why are they exhausted? They probably need more sleep tonight. Mm-hmm. You know? um, or we had a weekend where we, you know, might have had too many activities and too much pizza because we do have, you know, not so good food every once in a while, of course. Yeah. But like, it's just paying attention like you were saying to the surroundings your body and and making conscious decisions on how to deal with them yeah 
It's so important. And I think that the earlier we can instill that in our kids, whether they're whether they're just seeing us model it or like the way that we choose to live our daily lives, whether it's what we're consuming, what we're spending our time doing, what we're spending or what we're eating. Um, it's just these are key crucial things to your overall health. And I think that that needs to be a discussion within our society because our society is just not set up to be supportive of what we actually need, which is one of my biggest frustrations because like you said, it's just like a rat race, like go, go, go all the time. I understand having to make a living. You and I are doing that. Like I, I get it. It just, there's times where I get so frustrated that that's just the norm, that that's just the standard because I know that our world would be so much happier, so much healthier if people were just actually able to take care of themselves and not have to be stressed out about paying bills and whatever else goes on in their minds on a daily basis. And so I just think the more that we talk about the things that we actually can control, the better, because we can't control everything. We just can't. You gotta, you gotta push it off your plate. Yeah. And out of your control. And that's hard. Oh, so hard. Like I'm a control freak. I want to control everything. <laughs> Same. But like it's not it's not it's not possible. No. You know, I feel like when you give yourself grace and realize like okay, like I can't control all the smog outside or, you know, the gas station that's at the end of my street probably sending benzene my way. Who knows? <laughs> like I can't control the 5G tower that's at the school nearby. Like I literally it's out of my control. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what I, I like to stress the most is, like, everything within your home is in your control. Mm-hmm. The products you're using, the food you're buying, um, the conversations you're having, the the behaviors that you're modeling, mm-hmm. like you said. Um, those things you can, and those things take time. It's just a matter of, like, wanting to do it. And the right. truth of the matter is you either want to do it or you don't. Right. And it's okay if you don't, but like, don't complain about what the repercussions are going to be. True that. It's all said and done, you know? True that. Everything takes work. And, you know, it's not, it's not easy having all the knowledge once you have it, because it's like, it can feel like, you know, a burden to be in the grocery store in Whole Foods, still looking at all the ingredient labels and being like, well, we're screwed. (laughs) Like, you know, um, Oh. I, mean, I find myself like I'm literally like the reason I started like making my own sandwich bread was because I was just like so tired of like even the organic like everything has iron in it also I know like literally pasta like why isn't there just like regular pasta without enriched like iron in it like mm-hmm. it's mind-blowing to me yeah it's I find myself doing the same thing <laughs> in in any store that just turning turning things over and reading the back and just being like, well, this is trash. <laughs> like, like people go to Whole Foods and they're like, okay, I'm at the healthiest mm-hmm. store ever. And it's like, actually, no, actually, no. Yeah, I know. But like we said earlier, like we never know what one conversation with some, with someone will do or like learning a new fact or reading a new book or research study. And so that's why we're talking about these things, just being mindful, being aware and figuring out how to make that work within your life for yourself and your kids is just, it's so key. Oh, 
But there was one thing that I wanted to ask you about because I feel like it's an important question, especially yeah. because you spend so much time talking about it on your Instagram account, which is like advocating and spreading awareness. Like how did you become so comfortable doing that? Is it just because like you started reading these things and you just were like, I can't stop talking about these things or I can't stop thinking about these things. Was it Torin's journey? Like, was there one thing that really triggered that? Um, well, I guess it's kind of, there's two different things. So I guess like as far as like medical freedom stuff, like I have, I had multiple people tell me like, and we had talked about this in our group the other day, like I had multiple people, my good friends tell me to like stop shots when my kids were little. And I was like, just didn't want to hear it. I was not ready to receive the information. Like I was just like, okay, thank you. And I like respected where they came from, but I just like was not having it. Like had never looked into it, just was fine going about my everyday life, like doing everything we were told. And so when Torin got diagnosed with cancer, I mean, we were literally in the hospital for six weeks for the first part of his treatment. And I was like, you know, the machines are beeping. He was hooked up. Like I was not sleeping. Like when I look back at videos of myself in those moments, like I was so mentally and physically drained. Like I was definitely not my healthiest self. I wasn't sleeping. And I think that was kind of the beginning of like my fight or flight like mm -hmm. every day was like making quick decisions and phone calls and you know Torin's dad wasn't in the picture so it's like I had to have all the, the conversations with the doctors but one night I like went down this rabbit hole about shots and like realized all the ingredients and then you know when I put two and two together that like the average age is six for children that are diagnosed and when I looked at my kids records especially like my younger son has had more shots than actually my older son I'm like oh my god this this literally like blew my mind and so you know every day I was having to like ask all these questions to the doctor you know they wanted to put him on mood stabilizers and you know there was a medication for everything it's like oh he's constipated Miralax oh he's anxious or he's, you know, getting upset every time we have to access this port, lorazepam. Um, oh, he's having bone pain, oxycodone, a five-year-old, um, you know, everything. And so omeprazole, like, and I just remember like every time the doctor come in being like, oh, well, is that really necessary? And, and I remember asking at one point about cannabis and them telling me that there was enough safety studies for children under nine. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, I will take that over oxycodone. Like, it was wild to me. And I actually had one woman who was a, a cancer patient and she said something to me because I was talking to my mom about it on the phone one time in like the seating area. She was like, do you, you can't even imagine the pain that bone pain feels like because the chemotherapy can cause that. She's like, you can't even imagine the pain that your child is feeling and you're denying them of a medication that would be reducing that pain. 
Meanwhile, she doesn't even know that my how old my kid is or anything. She just like stepped in on my conversation. But I was just like, how is there no other alternatives? I mean, there was a woman that would come into the, the chemo clinic and give foot rubs to like kids there, just offer her time. And it's like, I think about it and I'm like, okay, like would, who knows if magnesium lotion would have like touched that pain. I don't know, like who knows, but there was just never anything else. Yeah. Um, so I feel like the beginning of my advocating really started with the doctors and like having to push back on a lot of things that felt really uncomfortable. Mm. I mean, even with Torin's diagnosis, it was an emergency situation and we were really backed into a corner. Like we were brought to children's. We had to start chemotherapy treatment. I could not get a second opinion. They told me I could get his labs done and take them to a different hospital, but they were starting treatment right away. And so you literally have no chance to say no. And like, that was around the time too that I had heard that like children's hospital like could medically kidnap your child. Like, and we live in a state where that's even a thing. Like, so at that point I, I felt really conflicted having to go through like two and a half years of chemo, you know, realizing that every single medication was going to be thrown at us and not knowing what was right or what was wrong and and just trying to like stand my ground um and so I feel like it kind of all stemmed from that and I just started like sharing every single day like what was happening and I just got really comfortable speaking my truth you know and that's that's exactly what it was it's not like I was trying to be divisive or you know like I said before hurt anyone's feelings or question the science it was like generally just asking questions and like speaking thoughts that were like on my mind you know um and watching like a lot of other families who like didn't speak english like like do they fully know what what's happening what medications they're being given like the scope of their child's diagnosis like i just often found myself like wondering that what a how much of a disservice it is to them if they don't fully understand what's happening either, you know? Yeah. There's even though, even though there's translators, but you know what I mean? Like a lot of people aren't, don't understand like medical lingo or don't know what questions to ask, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing too is that there's also just this mindset that you don't ask doctors questions. You just listen to them because they know everything. Yep. And while yes, doctors are very well-versed in certain areas, there's a lot of areas that they're not well-versed in. And so, like you said, just listening to like what didn't feel comfortable, what didn't feel right, and just asking questions like, is that really necessary? Or what are our other options? Those are yeah. so, those are reasonable questions. Exactly. Especially yeah. when it comes to your kids. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And the crazy thing is I feel like given that I had already, so this was probably like January, I had gone down like the shots rabbit hole by February-ish. They wouldn't even let us leave the hospital with Torin unless we got a flu shot. Like in his room, came and gave Torin's dad and I a flu shot. Like don't even know our medical history. Wait, wouldn't let you guys leave? Correct. Like, so Torin couldn't get anything. But, like, we could not take him home unless we got a flu shot. Like, it was mandatory. 
Like it was wild to me. Like I pushed back on it too. And I was like, oh, I don't ever get the flu shot. And they were like, you cannot take him home unless you get a flu shot. And that I ended up getting like sick shortly after that. But then when we went to Adrian's pediatrician, my younger one, she was like, oh, you really need to get the flu shot. And Adrian had never had the flu shot. And the only year that he got the flu shot, he broke out in like a full body rash that he was scratching to blood. So then they put him on amoxicillin, which we also found out that he was allergic to. So it was like this whole nightmare. Like, I kid you not, his skin looked like like a burn victim. Like, you know, like when it's like flaking off because it's so dry. Like, it was wild. And that for me was like, really opened the door on shots too, because like we had, I mean, Torin had had a febrile seizure when he was like a baby that I think now was probably due to that. But like, we had never had an ear infection. We had never had anything. And so I feel like in this weird way, it was kind of like once you open that door, like, you know, thing, you just start questioning everything. Yeah. And then it's not ironic that like, you know, a year later, we're like fighting a mandate for the flu shot too. Like, I know. It's so crazy to think about just like reflecting back on it and like what we didn't know versus what we know now and why it's so important to talk about these things. Because yeah. so I I started talking about things I think when my daughter was like she was probably like six or seven months old when I like really just, I did a deep dive. Like I was going to appointments and it just like didn't feel right to me. And for some reason I started like just researching every night. And then I was reading all of these books and watching these documentaries and listening to podcasts. And I just had to start talking about it. And I just like, I couldn't stop talking about it. And I got a lot of negative feedback. And then I got a lot of people who were like, yeah, I went through this or I went through that. This is my story. I'm so glad you're talking about this. And Like, there are things that, like, I didn't even experience, but I was just like, you can't know this information and not tell people because doctors don't tell people these things. Yep. And so I feel like, like you said, too, excuse me, once you really just start talking about it, it becomes easier because it's like, it matters to you so much as a person, as a woman, as a mother to advocate for your kids and for them to know about their bodies and what's okay and what's not okay. And so when it comes to that, especially over these last few years, our kids need to see us being those role models for them and actually teaching them to critically think and like allowing them to ask questions. And so I just, I've always admired you so much for everything that you've done and what you continue to do just like sharing information and having it be like everything that you share you give people takeaways like tangible research studies or tangible like bullet points of like here's where you can start or like these are things that I used to believe and then I did my research and now I believe that because I know better now and Mm -hmm. that's what people need I feel like people like if you just tell someone something like hey you shouldn't do this they're going to be like, okay, yeah, why? Like, that's not the norm. I'm still going to go with what whatever my doctor says or whatever my family says. But when you actually say, hey, I've been through this 
and this is what my life was like before when I was doing these things versus this is what my life was like now when I'm not doing these things and I'm doing different things and people see the difference, then they're more open to having conversations instead of just immediately shutting it down. Yeah, I definitely like to preface it coming from a place of like, I was there. I'm yeah. not perfect. Yeah. You know, I definitely have guilt about a lot of the things that I didn't know sooner, but that's what also really, you know, fires me up to share is because there is people, you know, trying to conceive, getting pregnant, having children that if they're open to this information, they are one step ahead like they are gonna be able to take in information that you and I didn't know right now sooner um you know and I think especially with like pregnant women there is a lot of fear surrounding certain things when they're pregnant like the flu shot or DTAP or whatever and there is a lot of studies coming out about you know miscarriage getting the flu shot after you know while you're pregnant like there is actual tangible science and air quotes as everybody's always looking for it's just a matter of people not wanting to take it in if it doesn't fit the narrative and you should be able to say when you're pregnant like hey like i'm okay like i'm okay i'm gonna be okay if i get the flu yeah instead of being fear-mongered like right like you like a doctor shouldn't make you feel that kind of way you should not have to make a decision when you don't, when you feel icky, like yeah. that's not good decision making. And yeah. so, when we can recognize that something like doesn't feel good, we should be able to like question it. Yeah, I mean, your intuition's there for a reason. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but from personal experience, if I don't listen to my intuition, nothing good ever comes of it. Nothing. That's true. It's true. Yep. And so the more we can do that and kind of like work on that muscle, the better. And then instilling in our kids that they, it's important that they do the same thing is crucial. Well, and I think even with children too, it's like, I feel like when you're, you're growing up, it's like, you know, certain fields are kind of like put on a pedestal. Yeah. I was just thinking about this when you said something earlier about like listening to doctors like yeah you know we're the children are taught that these are people that you can trust or if you're ever in a you're stuck you can go to like a police officer a fireman a doctor or whatever and so it really does kind of have to like generationally break it in a way that like yes you can go to your doctor if you need help but you also don't have to take their advice and mm-hmm. it is advice it's medical advice mm-hmm. but you don't have to like do exactly what they're saying yeah like okay like thank you for that and i'll go home and think about it yes you know what i mean yeah or get multiple opinions not just going with just one right and that's i think where even like a supportive partner comes in because like women carry the burden of like knowing all the information having to make all the decisions going back and forth on if they're making the right decision you know um it's a lot for them to carry, especially being a single parent, which yeah. you know, I feel, you know. Yeah, it's a lot. There, there are so many layers to like everything that we've talked about tonight. <laughs> like there's just, there's always so many layers and we've only, I feel like we've just like scratched the surface <laughs> I know, in so a true. way. So there, I feel like you and I could like talk all night, literally. <laughs> we could. 
We could have, we could have multiple podcast episodes. So yes. maybe we'll just have to have you back. Yes, for sure. Sounds good. So in wrapping up this episode, are there any final words or pieces of advice that you'd want to leave listeners with? Um, well, I think my main thing would be like, don't ever stop asking questions. And, um, if you are dealing with a cancer diagnosis or know someone who's dealing with a cancer diagnosis, like don't ever stop, um, you know, looking for more, getting a second opinion. Um, you know, I think one thing that we would have done if we could have was like, worked with an integrative doctor in conjunction with the the oncologist. Um, You know, God forbid we ever have to go down the road again. I know what that will look like now. And I would probably seek alternative treatment, like somebody that looks at the body as like a whole. Um, But, you know, obviously if you are stuck in conventional treatment, like you're literally doing the absolute best you can in terms of you know, nourishing the body and supporting detox pathways and stuff like that. So, you know, I think just trying to give yourself grace for everything you're doing and just knowing that you're doing the best you can with what you're given, you know, it's, it's not an easy road at all, but, um, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Amen. um, Yeah. Well, do you want to share where people can find you if they want to reach out to you or connect? Um, they can find me on Instagram at the dot wandering dot mama. Yes. If you do not already follow, you should absolutely go follow. <laughs> she is, you. You're just, you're just such a light in it because like, like we were talking about earlier, like what Instagram used to be versus like what it is now. There's just this, it's like a highlight reel is what Instagram is. And I think more and more people now, which has been really refreshing to see, is that people aren't just sharing beautifully curated things and having it be perfect. People are, like, actually showing what real life – Yeah, hard stuff and talking about it. And you've always done that, and that's one of the biggest things that I – I've admired and like loved watching because you're real and you talk about the hard stuff and you talk about the awesome stuff and you talk about everything in between and – sharing that education and those pieces while also still like being happy and being grateful and also talking about that it's hard sometimes and it's okay to be all of those things and you don't have to be this perfect human. So I love that so much about you as a friend and what you share. So I love you. And I'm so thankful for Instagram and all my people that I've connected with because I don't know what I would have done without community. I mean, I've met people from like all over the world and, you know, it's just, it's obviously that has its ups and downs, but I am so thankful for, you know, it's like, I have like people that I chat with every day, like, and, you know, I think finding your like-minded people is, is important to be able to like, you know, to keep you sane. Release. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm like release. Yeah. <clears throat> I literally say that all the time. Like when I'm talking about you and our group of friends, I'm like, I am sane because of you guys wholeheartedly without a doubt in my mind, without question. Like Absolutely. I am, I don't know what I would have done without you all. So I love you. <laughs> I tried in the corner. <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
<laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for coming on. And maybe we'll come back and discuss another another few controversial topics. I know. I seriously, I think we covered quite a few tonight. So. We did. Well, yes. we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always, if you have questions for me or for Dasha or any feedback, we would love to hear it. So reach out to either one of us and we'll be back next week. Bye, guys. so much for joining us this week listeners i really hoped you loved this episode as much as i did if you enjoyed it learned something new or know someone you feel may benefit from it please share it with them whether you're posting it on social media sending it in a text or an email my goal is to open up these types of conversations within our society within our families within our friend groups as always if you have any feedback questions or know someone you think may be a great guest for the podcast, please connect us on Instagram at the Be Loud About What Matters podcast or send an email to be loud about what matters at gmail.com. And if I haven't said it already, if you could please subscribe to the podcast, I would so appreciate it. And also leave a review if it's something that aligns with you and you feel like you want to learn more and you want to keep listening help us reach more people. I appreciate you all so much and can't wait to chat with you again next week. Bye-bye.